Hello, and welcome to Covered Credits, the bi-weekly podcast where we discuss books and their movie adaptations. I'm Ian George. And I'm Adina Hilton. In this episode, we'll be discussing Christine. Christine was written by Stephen King in 1983. And the movie adaptation, uh, also in 1983, was directed by John Carpenter, and the screenplay was by Bill Phillips. Cool. Yeah. And it's about a killer car. (laughs) It's about a car that kills people (laughs) in Stephen King fashion. Yes. Uh, Yeah, I'm excited to talk about a Stephen King adaptation. Yeah, you want to talk about Stephen King a little bit and how much you love him? (laughs) I love Stephen King. Um, He was one of the first um, kind of like adult authors I ever read. Like Mm -hmm. I started reading him in like seventh grade, I think, with uh, The Shining and Pet Cemetery. And, you know, I'm sure sure people are... any Stephen King fans are so happy we're doing Christine and not <laughs> The Shining or Misery. But yeah. uh, I think it's interesting because for every uh, successful adaptation of his, which there aren't a lot, no. you know, every Shining, mm-hmm. there's about five other adaptations that get made that no one remembers, yeah. you know, or talks about. And oh. then on top of that, there's like 10 other books that exist <laughs> <laughs> that know, haven't I, been adapted. You know, I was actually trying to think... I bet there's very few Stephen King books that haven't been adapted. Really? I don't know. Like, there's even even the one I was telling you about that I, was, I thought was really bad, uh, Thinner. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. One he wrote under as the pseudonym Richard Bachman. Really a, not a very good book, <laughs> in my opinion. That got made into a movie. Oh, really? Yeah. That's so crazy. there's a lot of them out there. Um, but I think Christine is one of the better ones that gets overlooked quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of why. In I'm, terms of adaptation. In terms of adaptation, yeah. So yeah. that's kind of why I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah. Uh, confession for me is that I never read any Stephen King before I met Ian. And then, of course, <laughs> Ian talked about him so much. And I was like, okay, well, give him a try. And I kind of had that idea that a lot of people have, which is that. Stephen King is sort of one of those people that churns out a lot of books and isn't really good and is just horror. But, um, you know, I gave him a try first with Misery and then with a couple other of his more popular books. And I do enjoy his books now, which is cool. Yeah, I think he gets overlooked by a lot of people because he churns out so many novels that... Yeah, not so much anymore, but he used to a lot. Yeah, people think he's kind of like a John Grisham or kind of a... James Patterson. James Patterson, yeah. (laughs) But uh, he's a really good writer. I love his writing style, which is why even the bad books... Mm -hmm. I still enjoy just because I like the way he writes. Yeah, he really gets in people's heads, which I love. And he gets into that psychological aspect and makes ordinary things creepy, like a car. Yeah, and I think that's something that adaptations have so much trouble getting. Yeah. Like even, I won't talk about it much because we might do an episode on it, but even Misery. Yep. Like there's this huge contrast between the psychological aspects of the book Mm -hmm. that the movie can't even... It it, can't touch it. It's a great movie. There's no way to even get there. So, uh, yeah. So let's uh, get into it a little bit. Yeah. Uh, So Christine uh, takes place... And this is cool. It takes place in Pittsburgh or around Pittsburgh. Like right outside. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, as we, you know, since we live in Pittsburgh, that was kind of cool for us. Yeah. Uh, But most of his books, any people who know Stephen King, they almost all take place in either Maine or Colorado Colorado in some cases. Mm -hmm. But I think this is, as far as I know, the only uh, one of his stories that takes place in around the area of Pittsburgh. Yeah. And he said that the book is dedicated, dedicated to, uh, George Romero. Yeah, yeah. Um, with the horror um, director. Mm-hmm. So and I think that was... So yeah, so the book takes place in 1980, or late 70s, Yeah, late I think. 70s, yeah. Uh, Pittsburgh area. 
And uh, the book starts off in uh, the first person perspective of the character Dennis. Mm -hmm. And even though Dennis is kind of the main character, or at least the perspective, the main character is really Arnie Uh in a way, who's his friend. Yeah. So they kind of have a relationship of Arnie's this very geeky, nerdy, kind of, you know, stereotypical. Gets picked on all the time. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, Dennis is kind of a jock, kind of uh, high school character. Yeah. But uh, he and Arnie grew up together. Mm -hmm. So even though they kind of have this contrast of personalities or social status, they still hang out. Yeah. And Arnie um, gets picked on a lot. And Dennis sort of views it as like he has to protect Arnie a Mm -hmm. little bit. And kind of he's the only one on Arnie's side. And almost like the whole school is against him. Not that they all want to beat him up, but they kind of don't care. And Dennis feels almost responsible for Arnie. Yeah. And Arnie is kind of a very sad character. And especially in the book, Dennis depicts him, you know, he has really bad facial acne. Yeah. um, And he just, and and, you know, he's not a, he's kind of got a quality to him. He's kind of charming in his own way. Yeah. And he's funny. And he's funny, but really Mm -hmm. Dennis feels like he's the only one who ever sees this. Yeah. And no one else ever really gives him a chance. Mm -hmm. There, This, you know, that's kind of their relationship in the book and the movie. Yeah. In the movie. Uh, Arnie is played by, let me see, I wrote it down, uh, Keith Gordon. Mm. And I thought he did a really good job in the he movie. He did, yeah. He was so dweeby at the beginning. <laughs> oh my God, he, he enters the movie practically slipping on a banana peel. Yeah. <laughs> like Dennis is picking him up for school and he runs out with the garbage and the bag breaks open. And, and then his he mom's like, just like, oh, Arnie, you're so dweeby. Just get out of here. And then he like runs through a puddle and then she's like, you forgot your lunch. And he runs through the same puddle to get it. He's just... Yeah, it's a cartoon. Yeah, at the, mm. at the very beginning. Whoops. <laughs> and... um. But, uh, you know, he, Keith Gordon really, he does that well, but he still kind of gets that dorky, charming quality. Yeah. Uh, he gets it right. And this character takes a really big transformation throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. I think Keith Gordon does a good job of capturing that. Yeah. And uh, some of the people that pick on uh, Arnie are Buddy and his, like, gang of yeah. dudes in the 80s, I guess. And... They kind of, there's a scene at the beginning of the book and movie where they kind of confront Arnie and are kind of messing with him. And then Dennis tries to kind of help him, but there's so many uh, of the gang there. And yeah, so Buddy is the one that actually pulls the knife and it's a switchblade. Mm -hmm. And so everything suddenly gets real. Yeah, and Buddy in the movie, Buddy Repperton is, I don't know who plays him. I forgot to look it up. He looks like a 30-year-old man. At least. He looks like a (laughs) 40-year-old man. Yeah. He is just... He's got the, like, curly mullet and... Yeah, he looks like uh, he won a um, John Travolta look-alike contest. He's just... Yeah. And then there's, like, a couple other guys, Richie, uh, Moochie, who's played by 80s Jonah Hill. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so this confrontation happens early on in both the book and the movie where, uh, you know, Buddy pulls a switchblade on Arnie, and they end up ratting him out and getting him kicked out of school. Yeah. And Buddy... So Buddy kind of has it in for Arnie now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, although in the book, so... The very first thing that happens in the story in the book is that Arnie finds Christine, the car. Yes. It's like this rotting corpse of a car in Mm -hmm. some guy's front lawn. And he goes and talks to the owner uh, who is uh, in the book, um, Roland LeBay. Yeah. 
who's this old, dirty, gross man. Yeah. And super gross. Super weird and gross and like yeah. just just the worst person you can imagine. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's like simultaneously trying to cheat Arnie, but also like sympathizes with him because he loves the car too. And Arnie's just like immediately enamored by Christine as uh, Roland LeBay tells him is the car's name. And they both, you can tell they're both kind of fascinated with it, but at the same time, LeBay is kind of trying to scam Arnie too. It's, yeah. He's just a shitty person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, um, and you find out not too much later that LeBay's wife and daughter both died in the car. So uh, his daughter actually choked uh, to death on a hamburger or something. Yeah. Then his wife, being so torn up and grieving about it, uh, put a hose from the exhaust of the car into the window, the window and mm-hmm. then suffocated herself. And he still kept the car. Yeah, he's like, it's fine, though. (laughs) (laughs) So you get some kind of indication about, like, how messed up both Roland is and maybe how weird this car is. Seen a lot of death. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Arnie buys it and manages to uh, get it home where he and his parents have a huge fight over it. Mm -hmm. And you kind of get a sense of his relationship with his parents at this point. Uh, which is a really interesting part of the book, not so much the movie. No, they don't go into it too much in the movie. But in the book, Arnie's mom and dad are both kind of intellectuals and they work at the college nearby and sort of have decided what they want for Arnie's future. And Arnie has kind of gone along with it until now. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, you do get a sense of this in the movie, you know, yeah. Arnie kind of. Uh, blows up at them and says, uh, you know, every every decision of my life had to have a family meeting involved. And I was outvoted two against one. <laughs> yeah. And so he's like, I'm finally going to have this thing. I'm going to do this thing. And, and you can't tell me that I'm not going to have it, et cetera, et cetera. And it's interesting because in Dennis's perspective uh, in the book, he's like he had never seen this side of Arnie before, kind of standing, standing up. up to his mm-hmm. parents and fighting back. Yeah. And uh, really just unloads on them. So, and this relationship between his parents carries through the book where it's really interesting that it's as Arnie changes and becomes worse and worse in the book by the influence of the car, uh, his parents are so at a loss for what to do. Yeah. And they've never faced something like this before. You know, he's gone through puberty and most of high school and he's been fine and obedient and, you know, a good kid. And now suddenly there's this crisis and they, they just don't know how to handle it. Yeah. And there's kind of a lot of self doubt about like, did we raise our son right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think this is kind of one of the elements that works best in the book Yeah, and kind of, is what Stephen King does so well in terms of taking this over-the-top ridiculous story idea mm-hmm. and bringing it home into like a relatable way with Some characters. Yeah, and you get a little bit about you know both uh, Arnie's mom and dad, kind of about what they think and how they're feeling, and you really do feel bad for them. At parts, they're being really crappy to Arnie, mm-hmm. but on the flip side, like you can tell that they are, you know they love their son and they don't know what to do to reach him. And he's sort of distancing himself from them. And that's a horrible, I'm sure it's a horrible thing as a parent to feel that way. Yeah. Yeah. His dad starts drinking more and it gets, it gets real dark. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, it's, it's a good aspect of the story. And one of the ones I liked more, I'd have to say. Mm -hmm. 
And then, so he can't keep the car at the house. His mom won't allow it. So he takes the car to Darnell's garage, which (laughs) is just this like crazy place where old dudes smoke and play cards in the corner. (laughs) (laughs) And they uh, rent out space where you can like fix up your your own car. And it's kind of like a working stiffs kind of place, you know, Darnell sells it that way. Arnie is now pitching in even more money yeah. into this car. Renting the space for the car and everything. Yeah, and he's going to have to buy parts. Yeah, and Darnell is kind of this cigar-smoking, heavy-set old <laughs> dude that just hates everyone. And he hates Arnie at first, too. He's just like, I don't want any shit from you. You can park it in there, you know, all that stuff. Yeah, and, and Dennis is like, this is classic high school right now like everyone just gangs up on arnie yeah it's just his they face sense his weakness yeah mm-hmm. uh so arnie kind of gets beaten down even more yeah which is sad to see mm-hmm. it's interesting in the book because darnell is sort of running a lot of illegal operations and in the book they really get into kind of arnie being drawn into that darnell sort of takes him under his wing like his, you know, assistant around the garage doing stuff and slowly gets him involved in the illegal activity too. And they don't go into that too much in the movie, which I get because it honestly doesn't really affect the plot that much. No, it's a good representation of Arnie kind of going down this darker path. Yeah. You know, he starts running uh, cigarettes and uh, alcohol and I think even like drugs across mm-hmm. state borders for Darnell. That's kind of his illegal operation. Yeah. And so that's kind of a good, in a way, showing of what Arnie is willing to do at this point. Yeah, to get Christine fixed up. Yeah, but on the other hand, it takes up a lot of space in the book. Mm-hmm. This is a 500-page book. It's a 526-page book. <laughs> <laughs> and Yeah, in the original. And uh, it does not need to be that. That's my, No, that would have been something that could have been cut, definitely. And, you know, you get he's trying to fix up the car this whole time and he's kind of working on it slowly and trying to get it fixed and everything. Yeah. And it is worth mentioning this was at the height of Stephen King's uh, alcohol and cocaine phase. Oh, yeah. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> so I can just picture him at his typewriter. It was on the page 80s. Probably 600 in the manuscript. Like, this is perfect. This is so great. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Stephen King's been open about his struggle with sobriety. Mm-hmm. Um with alcoholism especially, but I think this was definitely the height of that where, you know, no one could stop him. He was just on a rampage with, you know, his alcoholism and possibly drugs as well. And you can kind of tell. (laughs) Now, on the other hand, though, he did write Cujo at this exact same time, and Mm -hmm. that's a much more trimmed down novel. So maybe just something about this story just got him rolling but. you know he's like teenagers cars <laughs> rock and roll drugs even though there's no not really that much drugs no in not the book, really but he's like in the spirit of it <laughs> although that, that is kind of the metaphor in a way or yeah. at least everyone's like what's wrong with arnie is he on drugs and he's not yeah. uh he's just on christine the haunted car <laughs> yeah yeah and there's like that rock and roll, cruising, driving, almost 50-ish vibe throughout the book. Yeah. Because Christine was made in the 50s, I think. Yeah. Or she she was made in the late 40s, but really like in her prime in the 50s. And so like whenever he's in the car, the oldies station is always on, you know, mm-hmm. playing old 50s music. And they have a lot of lyrics in the book 
about cars and, you know, rock and roll lyrics about driving and cruising and all that type of thing. So yeah. Yeah. The fifties kind of cross over into this novel a lot. Yeah. So around this time when Arnie's fixing up the car, Mm -hmm. uh, the third main character of the story enters, uh, Lee Cabot, Mm -hmm. who is the cool new girl, new girl. Yeah. And, um, she's kind of a mystery, and, and everyone ends, wants to get with her. Everyone wants Everyone's to get with her. trying to date her. They're like, who is she? Yeah. And it's funny. So remember that Dennis is narrating this in the first person. Yeah. So, oh, my uh, God. He talks about Lee at the beginning. And honestly, like, there's no substitute for the actual words. I have to <laughs> read them. So, okay. But Lee Cabot was just beautiful with no qualifications. Her skin was fair and perfect, usually with a touch of perfectly natural color. She stood about five feet eight tall for a girl, but not too tall. And her figure was lovely, firm, high breasts, a small (laughs) waist that looked as if you could almost put your hands around it. Nice hips, good legs, beautiful face, sexy, smooth figure. Like... Who describes someone that way? Firm, high breasts. And, you know, it's so odd and it took us a while to figure out. But I think the reason it sounds odd is that it sounds like a 40 year old man describing a teenager. teenager. Yeah, because, you know, a high schooler isn't going to describe a girl with firm breasts. You know, everyone (laughs) that he knows has firm breasts. Nobody is sagging, you know, to the floor. (laughs) Old age hasn't set in at all. Yeah, and it's just this weird, even at the end, it's just, he's like, <laughs> what, what, like, good legs. Oh, yeah, he's like on a checklist, like, yeah. oh, good everything, nice teeth, you know, like, <laughs> it's just so weird. Yeah, and it, there's other parts in the book where, where they talk about her. They continue to talk about her in that way. So, yeah, she's kind of like this, not objectified, but kind of like held up a little as this perfect girl, you know, she's nice, she's pretty, she's smart, you know, and everything like that. Um, so Dennis, of course, is kind of in love with her, but Arnie is too. Yeah. Yeah. Ar- Arnie is actually the one who ends up with her yeah. at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's, and I like the way the book gets into that. They, Arnie tells the story of how they first got together and you kind of find out she's a little more academic minded. And so they met in those higher ed classes Mm -hmm. and it makes sense why they end up together. The movie doesn't even get into that at all. Yeah, they're just dating. They're suddenly just dating Mm -hmm. and it's a very odd, abrupt moment Mm -hmm. and with no explanation. And in fact, the first time you even see them together, because it is mostly from Dennis's point of view too in the movie. Yeah. And the first time you as the audience see Arnie and Lee together, they're fighting. They're in a car. Oh, yeah. And it's just a bizarre, you never get any context of why they're together, why they're together, what, what them. brought them yeah. together. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of a not well explained. Yeah. In the and movie. Dennis kind of can't help falling in love with Lee, even <laughs> though like she's dating his best friend and he's like, oh, it's so shitty, but I love her so much. And he talks about her. Her breasts are just so firm and high. <laughs> the highest. The highest. They're jutting <laughs> from her, her neck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the book gets into this love triangle more than the movie doesn't really even yeah. kind of approach it at all. The movie, though, for anyone who may give it a watch, mm-hmm. uh, be warned, the very beginning of it is really rough. Oh, yeah. In terms of... Uh, it takes a while to get going, and 
you don't really understand what's happening. Well, and I was going to say specifically towards its depiction of uh, women, yeah. especially in high school. Yeah. Like Dennis at the very beginning is like, this year we're going to get you laid, Arnie. Yeah. And he's like, what about Cindy such and such? And he's like, oh, she's kind of just a slut, isn't she? Yeah, but whatever. Yeah, or, and they're like all trying to ask Lee out, and the dudes are being like gross together. And I'm like, oh, isn't this great that we have this here? <laughs> yeah, it's it's a really um, savage depiction of high school, like yeah, high overly. school boys too, you know. Yeah, so now that doesn't last past like the opening of the movie. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. but it, it's not a good start. <laughs> yeah, so all this time Arnie is fixing up. Christine and he's kind of fixing her up in this really weird way and Dennis notices this when he comes to see Arnie at the garage yeah so he he checks out Christine and he notices half the front bumpers fixed yeah uh the antenna's been fixed but, but the like, windshield's still cracked the windshield's cracked yeah he's just fixing it in this really haphazard bizarre yeah. way mm-hmm. that doesn't really make sense no and I think Darnell notices too. Yeah, he's like, what the fuck are you doing with this car, you know? <laughs> and it just kind of starts to create this eeriness of what what's going on, you know? Why yeah. is Arnie... And he Ar- Arnie's very uh, mysterious about where he gets some of the parts to fix it. Yeah. He's kind of not answering questions about it. Mm-hmm. And so he's... So you're like, oh, what's happening? Yeah, and he's very sensitive about it. At one point, Dennis, when Arnie's not around, like, tries to look underneath the car to see what's been replaced and what hasn't. Yeah. And Arnie catches him and immediately blows up. Yeah. And it's like he violated his privacy in some way, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it kind of, it's definitely this setup of another love triangle between Arnie, Lee, and Christine, and Christine. the car. Yeah. And I do, it's interesting to me because it it taps into this, idea that's definitely true where people fall in love with hobbies or inanimate yeah, objects. Or objects and I think it says a lot about like dudes and masculinity too like cars are so sexualized all the time anyway you know in advertising and throughout history it's been like oh car you always call her she and stuff so it's not too weird to have him be obsessed with her Christine mm-hmm. you know but it is weird. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I understand it, but it's still weird. Yeah. It's realistic, although still extreme at the beginning. Yeah. But then by the end, especially in the movie, at one point, he's just like, crazy. do you know what it's like to be in love with a car? It's <laughs> <laughs> like, nobody can tear us apart. Nobody. And Dennis is like, you and Lee? And he's like, no. I'm talking about Christine, man. <laughs> it's very over the top, but I kind of like it in the movie. Yeah, and as Christine is transforming, Arnie is too. Um, you In the book, they talk about his acne kind of clearing up slowly, and nobody really knows why. Yeah, and he begins to, there's this constant, and this is one of my problems with the book too, is that, yeah. Stephen King uses the same imagery or descriptions over and over and over. Yeah. Like, they, he talks very early on about how Arnie looks older. Uh-huh. He kind of has an older presence to him, especially with the acne clearing up. Yeah. But he keeps talking over and over throughout the book about how he looks older. Is yeah. there something different? Does he look older? His <laughs> eyes had happening. aged to them now. Like, every way you could talk about that, he mentions it or describes it. Yeah, and it's interesting in the book because Arnie sort of transforms into LeBay, who's the old fuck who sold them the car. 
And, you know, he gets like a back brace because he hurt himself while, you know, fixing up the car or something. And, you know, his face gets more haggard looking. <laughs> and then he's just like saying weird shit, you know, um, that stuff that LeBay said when they were there you yeah. know, to Dennis. Specifically the term uh, shitters. Yeah. Just, and it kind of describes everyone, basically, the shitters, he'll yeah. say. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is one of the biggest contrasts, though, between the book and yeah. the movie is this kind of possession of Arnie. By LeBay. By LeBay. Who has died yeah, at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in, in the book, shortly after selling the car to Arnie, LeBay dies. Yeah. And in the movie, he Arnie's just kind of possessed in this general sense. Yeah, and being obsessed. Yeah. And he's, he's kind of going crazy. Whereas in the book, he's becoming someone else, literally. He's literally transforming into LeBay. Mm-hmm. And I really... This is... So I was thinking about this earlier, and yeah. the thing I love about Stephen King books is he present he gives you this crazy concept. Mm-hmm. In this case, a car that comes alive and kills people. Yeah. But Stephen King does such a good job of convincing you of this over yeah. time. Mm-hmm. You know, you might know the premise going in, but he takes his time developing it, developing yeah. the horror, the characters, mm-hmm. slowly transforming it until by the end you're sold. Yeah, you you're believe like, it, of course. Whereas the movie kind of takes the approach of right at the beginning, it's like, listen, this is stupid and crazy. If you go with it, you'll like the movie. Yeah. Just buy into it. Yeah. Because in the in the, uh, in the the movie, it starts off with the car coming off the assembly line. Yeah. And the hood clamps down on a guy's hand, and another guy dies in the car somehow. I'm yeah, not sure. Yeah, they don't explain. He's just dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the car is like, and the, oh my God, they play bad, bad to, to the, the bone. bone. <laughs> <laughs> right at the beginning. <laughs> A little heavy handed. Yeah, but I think they're just trying to set it up because they don't have the time. They don't have 500 pages mm-hmm. to tell you about how the car is slowly becoming evil or Arnie's becoming evil and you're not sure what what's evil, Arnie or the car, you know. Or LeBay spirit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the movie kind of just wants you to buy into it right off the bat, kind of just trust us and go with it. Yeah. Which, you know, is kind of a detriment, I think. I, I think it kind of works, yeah. you know, because you just, you already know what the, the movie is about, you know. Sure. And so it's just like, okay, like you have to, when you pop in, you know, that DVD or when you turn it on, you're like, you already know, you know, it's a car that kills people. Okay, let's let's get it going. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, though, you could have introduced that element of LeBay's spirit. Yeah. Without, you don't have to explain it. You don't have to explain, like, the rules of the haunting or anything. I think you can just hint at it. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes Stephen King creepy in a way is sometimes you don't fully understand the rules or what exactly is happening. Yeah, but I don't know. Even in the book, I felt like the whole LeBay possession was really weird. And I get it because it's like, oh my God, it's like a corpse in the car with him, you know, and the corpse is driving the car and like yeah. all that stuff. But I don't know. It's It kind of became too much, I think. It yeah. was like, oh, LeBay, LeBay, LeBay's coming back. He's evil. He's a corpse. <laughs> he's like, eating pizza. <laughs> he's just like a villain. <laughs> There's a part where he, Arnie gets a pizza and is just driving around with Christine and he like hallucinates LeBay there, or does he hallucinate? And then he comes to himself and there's like a piece of pizza missing. <laughs> and it's like, who ate that piece? Was it LeBay or Christine? <laughs> yeah. I... I I like that part. I, I like that aspect of the book, the possession. It makes it at least a little more 
gives it a little more sense. Yeah. Because there's things like Christine knows who to kill. Yeah. Or things that are going on. Mm -hmm. And when you start, when you think of it just as being a car, you're like, well, how does the car know? Does it hear things? Yeah. And what does it hear with? What are the eyes of the car? You just start thinking about it (laughs) too much. Like anatomically. Yeah. But if you're just like, oh, there's literally a ghost in the car. Yeah. It kind of, it explains a lot more in a way. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. And at this point, Dennis kind of gets taken out of the story. (laughs) He gets injured in football and he is just in the hospital for a while because both of his legs are broken. And this is where the book shifts from first person narrative to third person. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of an abrupt, weird switch. Yeah. And apparently Stephen King did that not for any... Not on purpose. Literary purpose, but yeah. just because he was writing it. He wanted it to all be in Dennis's perspective. Yeah, because it's like Dennis's story. Mm-hmm. But he got to the point where Dennis is in the hospital for a while when murders start happening. Yeah. And he couldn't write it in a way where... It was still Dennis yeah, narrating. Yeah, you could experience yeah. it from Dennis's perspective. Mm-hmm. So he's like, well, I'll just shift the middle part to third person. Yeah. It's a little weird, but you do kind of appreciate getting a different perspective Mm -hmm. other than Dennis. And honestly, I'm not the biggest fan of Dennis and his narration. (laughs) So it was a little, it was a nice break from his constant, Lee is so beautiful. Lee's breasts. Oh my God. (laughs) And it's nice too, because then you get to uh, get the perspective of Arnie's parents. Yeah. And other Mm -hmm. characters and. Kind of in their head a little more. Yeah. So it's good in in that sense. In that way. I was fine with the shift. Uh, if you're more of a purist or whatever, you might think that the shift from perspectives for kind of no reasons a little jarring. Jarring, but yeah. uh, I was I was fine with it. Mm-hmm. For a 500 page book, I appreciated the change up. Yeah, honestly, I could not read 500 pages of Dennis. <laughs> 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 yeah, and around so Dennis is in the hospital, and this is the time where shit starts happening with Christine. And, you know, Lee and Arnie are together for a while. Things seem fine. But Lee just doesn't like the car. There's something about it she doesn't like. Also, Arnie is obsessed with it. And she's like, you spend way more time with the car than me. It's really weird. And he's like, (laughs) I mean, what? What? No. Not me. Yeah. And then, so things kind of come to a head where Lee is in the car with Arnie and she starts to choke on a burger that she's eating in the car. Yeah. And Arnie, and I, I liked this scene because Arnie's reaction, he panics and he yeah. starts hitting her on the back. On the back. Mm-hmm. And which was, you know, exactly what LeBay had done to his daughter when the same thing had happened. Yeah. And which luck- is not the way if someone's choking, you need to give them the Heimlich maneuver. Mm-hmm. And luckily in the, in the book, they had a hitchhiker in the car yeah. who saved her by giving her the Heimlich movie it was a similar situation a nearby person helped her yeah uh, but I like later on in the book she is confronting Arnie about the car and about everything yeah. and how she's freaked out mm-hmm. and she's like you know the Heimlich maneuver we you- were in the same class we learned it in class yeah and she's like you know how to give it and he's like I panicked uh whatever yeah, I was worried blah 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 and it's it's creepy too because when Leah's choking she can see like the dashboard lights kind of looking at her and she feels like Christine is watching and like trying to kill her yeah. And then this that's the point where Lee is like, okay, you know what? I'm not getting in that car again. Like, and I don't blame her. She's like, <laughs> I almost died. I'm not going in the car again. And if you want to be with me, like, you have to get rid of that car. 
So she gives him an ultimatum, me or the car. Yeah. And the car gives everybody bad vibes yeah. throughout the whole book. And everyone, most people kind of justify it or kind of ignore it. And she had been too. Yeah. But this was her breaking point where she's like, I'm right. The car's weird. Something's wrong with it. Yeah. And then this is the time too where uh, the car is destroyed by Buddy's gang. Yeah. So Buddy in an act of revenge finds the car and just with his friends destroys it yeah it's a really kind of cool scene in the movie yeah like he like stands up on the hood of the car and like raises this sledgehammer Mm -hmm. and just smashes it it's really cool it's a great scene Mm -hmm. uh the cinematography oh god in the movie is really good Mm -hmm. uh john really great shots yeah very eerie kind of classic uh you know john carpenter the director he he's well known. Yeah, he did Halloween. Yeah. He did uh, The Thing. The Thing. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because uh, John Carpenter, he didn't disown this movie. Yeah. But he did The Thing right before it, which was a passion project of his. Yeah. And it didn't do well critically or commercially. Mm-hmm. And now it's a it's a classic. Uh, you yeah, know, people love classic. it. Mm-hmm. But at the time, it was such a blow to him that he ended up taking on Christine to Even direct. he didn't really want to. As kind of a career decision. Yeah. And he's kind of just said that about it ever since. It was a career choice. Yeah. Even though I think it's a decent no, movie. No, I think it's a good showcase for his talent. And he does a good job of framing the car. And all of the, the shots with the car are really cool looking. And, you know, there's so many iconic scenes in this movie. And I just loved that. Like that, that scene where Buddy's destroying the car. Yeah. The whole gang. Uh, one of the guys actually cut his hand real bad. Oh, really? When he was uh, knifing the upholster on the inside. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think someone else almost got hurt, too. <laughs> it's not, <laughs> it's a very it's not surprising. Scene. It's just five guys wailing on a car with blunt instruments. Yeah. Um, and, of course, Arnie is devastated when he finds out and mm-hmm. is just kind of horrified and is instantly, like, turn, transforms into this crazy, angry, mad you know, murderous person who's like, I'm going to get those shitters. Shitters. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, I'll get them and all that stuff. And, you know, he's committed to replace, to keep fixing up Christine at that point, you know, even his parents are like, we'll buy you a new car. Like this one is completely wrecked. Like what can you possibly do? And he's like, no, I'm going to fix it up. Like you can't Mm -hmm. control me. La la la. So the book takes another whole section of him fixing the car up yeah. again. Again. Uh, in the movie, though, there's this really great scene that I love where yeah. he's kind of walking around it and he hears this like crinkling kind of metallic sound. Uh-huh. And suddenly the top of the engine, which was crushed, he looks back and it's fixed now. Yeah. And he walks to the front of the car at a distance and turns and he looks at it and he's just like, show me. Yeah. And suddenly the lights turn on in the car these really bright lights yeah and it cuts to these amazing special effect shots of mm-hmm. the car uncrinkling itself undenting and undenting. fixing and actually how they did that was um they took like a plastic recreation of the shell of the car uh-huh. fully formed and they put these uh hydraulic pistons on the inside uh-huh. so you couldn't see them and then they filmed them and the pistons contracted uh-huh. and dented and crumpled the outside of the car and they filmed that and then they just reversed the footage. Oh, that's so cool. So that it was like popping out. Yeah. And the effect still holds up. It's, it's really good. It's really good. For 1983, like 
I was convinced. I was like, oh, that's so awesome. Mm -hmm. The car is just like, you know, kind of shrugging off its damage (laughs) and being like, I'm ready to go. Yeah. Now, the one thing I will say, and not to ruin the scene, but uh, these shots were actually added in post. Oh, really? When he was cutting together the movie, he's like, something's missing. It needs something. Mm -hmm. So they went back and did those shots and inserted them. If you look, though, at the, the car before that shot happens yeah the damage to it is way different different. than Mm. what you see yeah like the front of the car is fine it's and it's missing its hood yeah but then in that shot like the whole front of the car is like unfolding outward like it (laughs) hit a telephone pole Uh uh-huh so it kind of it kind of ruins it a little bit yeah I didn't really notice but I don't really notice that stuff in general so I only noticed on a second viewing so Mm mm-hmm uh, but, the, you know, the special effects are fantastic. And I liked in the movie they kind of cut out the reworking of the car. The car just fixes itself yeah, immediately. Yeah, fixes itself. We're like, let's keep going. Let's get to the murder. Mm-hmm. The murder. <laughs> We're finally at the We're murder. We're at the murder. <laughs> so this is the time where Christine, or LeBay, is out for revenge on Buddy's gang who destroyed her. Yeah, so the first... Uh, the first, first victim, victim is 1980s uh, Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill. Moochie. <laughs> Moochie. His name is Moochie. No, it's his nickname. Um, yeah, he's... Uh, Walking home alone at night. Mm-hmm. And suddenly a car light, car lights turn on. And it starts and following him. He recognizes the car and you can't see anyone behind the wheel. Yeah. And he's like, hey, Cunningham, you know, Arnie, I'm sorry about what happened. Are you still mad? Don't you know? kill me. <laughs> And then then the car car just starts like, yeah, like revving its engine and runs after him and just kills him brutally. It like crushes him. And in the book, it's very gross because he like he gets hit by the car so hard that he like hits the wall behind him and then like slides down and (laughs) leaves leaves a blood trail. Yeah. And then and then Christine kind of like backs up over him and uh, runs over him like multiple times. Yeah. And when the police are investigating it, they yeah. know like this wasn't just a hit and run. Like yeah, someone, someone just like pulverized him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the movie though has this great setup where he chases him for a while. It's a great, great chase scene. Uh-huh. The music is great. Oh, the music. If you're a fan of like the Halloween music, like yeah. the score, which or is the stranger Things. Yeah. I was yeah. going to say, which stranger things kind of brought back the synthesizer music. Uh, John Carpenter did the music for this as well. It was so good. And it's it's great. It just adds to the scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, the car chases Moochie, though, into a, a loading dock area. Yeah, it's like a narrow alley. Yeah, it's a very narrow alley that it has an end to it. Uh-huh. And Mo- Moochie knows, like, the car can't fit. And he's like, all right, like, what you going to do now? Yeah. And then the car just guns it and starts crushing itself into this compacted space. Yeah. It's really terrifying. It's really cool. And then just like pins him and crushes him. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, next on the kill list is Buddy, yes. the leader of the gang. And he's with like all of the rest of the dudes. Well, he's, yeah, he's with one other guy. And then, well, I guess, yeah, in the movie, yeah. he's with everyone yeah, else. Yeah, he's with everyone. And, you know, there's a couple other people that get picked off one by one in the book, but most of the gang kind of gets killed at this point. And, you know, there's a, a big chase, same scenario. The car comes up out of nowhere behind them and, you know, everyone's freaked out and the car is just like right on them. You know, they're doing like these tight turns They're you in know, the, in the book. Yeah. It's this chase. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, he, the car ends up and 
another interesting difference is the book takes place in winter. Yeah. And so there's a lot of snow. The snow kind of is a factor constantly. Mm-hmm. But in the movie, it's not there at all, which yeah. makes sense. And it's interesting because Christine can like plow through the snow and it's like she's not bothered by the slipperiness or ice or anything like that. Yeah. You know? She's like handles really well. And in the book, she chases the car down, mm-hmm. runs it off the road. Uh, and they kind of blow up in the car. I yeah. Think. yeah. Buddy gets out mm-hmm. and the car chases him around more and he gets to a safe spot, but he ends up dying from his injuries, dying from, from his from injuries. The car wreck. Yeah. Uh, the movie though has this oh, spectacular, so <laughs> it uh, chases the car to a gas station where yeah. Buddy and the rest of his friends are. Mm-hmm. And the car just plows into his car when Buddy's out of it. Yeah. Into the gas station and just creates this huge fireball, fireball. of an explosion. Yeah. And All the, the gas explodes. And in this great effect, the car like just pulls out. Of the flames. It's just a fireball. It's on fire. Like there, you can't even like tell it's a car at all. It's just this flaming, flaming thing on wheels. Yeah, it's like <laughs> a demon from hell, literally on fire, just cruising out of there. And it's just like, it's, this is fine. <laughs> it's really cool. And it chases Buddy down and runs him over. Yeah. Next on the kill list <laughs> is Darnell, who owns the garage. And, you know, he's sort of... He gets in the car because he sees it drive drive in to mm-hmm. the garage by itself. And he goes in and he like sits in it. And then the car just moves the seat up and crushes him in it. <laughs> in the movie. Do you think he was like possessed when he got in it? I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure like why he would get in it. Yeah, it's it's it looks it's a like a rookie mistake. The car is still like burnt up. It looks like the car from planes, trains, and automobiles yeah. after it goes through the between the trucks. Like it's mm-hmm. just nothing. And he's got this big gun with him because he thinks someone's in it. Yeah, or uh, stole a car. And then Arnie's it's re- away. Yeah. yeah, and then it's revealed no one's in it. And then he's like, "Oh, I'll sit. I'll sit. Might in as well here. just sit in it." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then it crushes and him. You're like, no. And then in the book, he dies a little bit different. Christine kind of comes after him and destroys his house. Yeah. Just so. It- she can run him over. It's good. <laughs> yeah, it drives through the front of his. And I like that because in your head, like. You're like, he's safe in the house. Yeah, the concept of the killer car is funny in a way and kind of cool. But you're like, well, just get in the house or just get in a building. Yeah. And you're fine. And this kind of like punches a hole in that theory because it just drives through the house. And- yeah, it's like, I'm going to get you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And at this point, you know, Arnie's under investigation because of these murders and the detective, you know, kind of knows that Buddy's gang had done this to Arnie's car previously because they reported it. And then everyone from Buddy's gang is dead and was run over by a car. Yeah. And he's like, hmm, you know, and sort of investigating Arnie. But Arnie has like a perfect alibi for every murder night. Yeah. Um, and But he knows something's off. So this is sort of going on in the background. And Arnie's kind of willfully ignorant, I think, to an extent. Yeah. Like, you're not in the movie. It kind of implies more that he's aware that these killings are done by Christine. Mm-hmm. But in the uh, book, he's a little more denying. Yeah. It. Yeah. He doesn't know why they're dead. He doesn't even stop to think about it. I don't think. No, not really. There's a good scene, though, in the movie where the investigator confronts uh, Arnie. Yeah. And it's this good confrontation of a scene. I like mm-hmm. it a lot. Um but then, so this is finally when Dennis gets out of the hospital. Yeah, he's like, I'm back, guys. And then it switches back to his narration somewhere in there. Yeah. And so he and Lee kind of team up 
to destroy Christine. They both decide that... That's not the only way they team up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they uh, kind of get together, too. Because it's at this point that Lee is like, no, Arnie, this is ridiculous. You're being crazy. And Dennis is already in love with her, so they kind of start to get together mm-hmm. while they're making plans to either try to help Arnie or destroy Christine. Making out and making plans. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's cool because uh, or interesting, I guess, in the book, Christine... And Arnie find out that they're together and that sort of becomes, well, we have to do our plan now because Christine will try to kill us now that she knows that we're together. Yeah, yeah, they, they're caught. And that's when they start to make the uh, ultimate plan to destroy Christine. The kill plan. Because they know they have to save Arnie somehow. Yeah. Because he's just completely possessed at this point no one can reach him Mm -hmm. and they're like we have to do something so they set up this trap in the garage darnell's garage and they get like a big truck or like a a, what is it a a roller or something in the movie yeah yeah it's like a steam shovel kind of thing you know heavy machinery and the plan is to like to lure christine in there and then just like destroy it yeah and it's funny in the book they instead of a steamroller, they get a a truck that's made to uh, pump out sewage of yeah. like porta potties. <laughs> it's called Petunia, and it's painted pink. Yeah. And Stephen King kind of described it. He because he gave it a woman's name too, and described the finale as like two ladies duking it out, <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, so. So what happens though is is Lee's supposed to kind of go out and wait near the garage door so once christine comes in she can hit the button and the door will come down and trap christine in but as soon as lee gets out of the the truck with dennis that dennis is driving christine is there and she comes to attack lee to run her over yeah so it's this really uh tense setup of lee's outside of the car and she's vulnerable yeah and dennis is trying to help her uh, and Dennis, meanwhile, like his leg is yeah. still really messed up from mm-hmm. his football injury, uh, which adds, you know, another level. Yeah. Uh, so he's struggling to operate the the truck. Now, so one of the big differences uh, between the book and movie is there's this terrible scene in the book. It's so like awful where the car in the middle of this like scene, uh-huh. uh, Dennis looks inside of it and sees Arnie's dad. Oh, yeah. Like his body. Dead. Yeah. And he kind of immediately realizes because Arnie's dad was he was very aware of the car and yeah. was almost on the verge of understanding what was going on. Mm-hmm. And Dennis told him explicitly to stay away from it. Yeah. And Dennis kind of realizes like he must have seen the car in the driveway empty and he got in it. And then it like suffocated him or something. Yeah. And then yeah. it somehow killed him. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, Arnie's dad is in the car and dead. Yeah, and it's interesting in the movie because Arnie is driving in this scene when Dennis and Lee are going to try to take down Christine and destroy her. So Arnie's in the car and he's driving. And then, you know, during the sequence of the the face-off, Arnie gets ejected out of the car. Yeah, he crashes into the office of the garage, Mm -hmm. flies out of the car. And he's dead. Yeah, and he's got a piece of glass Mm -hmm. right in the gut and dies while caressing the front of Christine. Yeah, and then after that, it's like a a continued battle with Christine without Arnie driving. And, you know, eventually they do. They get to, they like crush her down. Yeah, it's kind of a cool scene where the steam shovel like basically mounts the car, it looks like, from behind. It kind of like rolls over it. And just squishes it down. 
It's a really good scene, though, because the car is still, like, reforming itself. Yeah, the car is still trying to fix itself. And so they keep they keep having to, like, go back over. They're like, kill it! <laughs> <laughs> and it's still crawling, like, towards uh, Lee, yeah. in a way. Uh, it's a good, classic, climactic... Scene. Yeah, scary movie scene. Yeah, and they end up, you know, cubing it, putting it in the trash compactor. and <laughs> Like, in the movie, it's so funny. It immediately cuts from them... Arnie's dead and they've just crushed the car yeah. and it cuts to the car in a compacted cube dropping yeah. in, in, in a, a junkyard in a junkyard <laughs> and they're like goodbye this was the silliest scene I it think is. in the really whole weird. movie it's, it's like sunny and nice it's and Dennis Lee around. and the detective yeah and uh, the detective is like well you kids are heroes yeah and Dennis is like I mean Arnie died <laughs> and Lee's like yeah, we didn't do so hot. And like the detective's like, well, some things can't be avoided. Yeah, and it's <laughs> like, like, it's everything's fine now. <laughs> yeah, so much is like not acknowledged at all in that ending. It's yeah. very kind of abrupt. Yeah, kind of, I don't know. I don't want to call it lazy, but a little bit. Yeah. And this is the point where you see in the cube that a little piece of Christine moves yeah. right before it ends. And it, it's similar in the book because. There's this epilogue where Dennis is, you know, telling the story and he's like, well, it's been four years since that happened and Lee and I aren't together anymore and, you know, I'm doing this and this and this. And then there's, he sees a newspaper clipping where this other guy and he was another member of Buddy's gang yeah. that kind of took off somewhere in the story and he is in California now, was run down by a car in a drive-in, I think. Yeah, he like recognizes the name Sandy something, something or other and immediately knows he was like killed in this freak accident where a car drove through the movie, the drive-in concession stand movie concession something. stand and killed him and it just starts this like Yeah. It's it's such Horror a good feeling where Dennis yeah. is like is Christine back? Is she gonna pick us off one by one yeah because lee's farther out west now she yeah. moved when she got married and mm-hmm. he's like is christine gonna like make her way across the country like to find me getting revenge mm-hmm. it's a good yeah horror. it's leave, leaves it hanging which is mm-hmm. cool so which is better <laughs> oh man um you know the book is very dense it's tough because it, it's i'm kind of trying to decide is which is better the same? Is it the same as which I'd recommend? Yeah. Because in which case, I might say, I think the movie's more accessible just because yeah. it's shorter mm-hmm. and it kind of takes those cheesy elements and kind of plays them up like people would expect a movie like that too. Yeah. Uh, but the book, you know, even though it's bloated, um, I still enjoyed it. I just like Stephen King's writing. Yeah. And I like the lore it adds to the story of Christine. Yeah, there's a lot of mythology around her. Mm-hmm. I literally still hadn't decided until now. Which really? Is, yeah. I, 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 I'm definitely going to say the movie because okay. this was my least favorite Stephen King book and I've read about five of his books by now and you know, it was so long. Like, I was trying to finish it and I was literally counting down the pages and I know that's when a book is like too long and I'm not interested anymore. And uh, there was, I was reading this review of Christine and it was written by Grady Hendrix, who is another author. And something he said was like kind of harsh, but I totally agreed with. He says, 
It's rambling, sloppy, boring, bloated. Christine is the book that lived up to every accusation ever leveled at King by his detractors. Oof. So like all the criticism that people said about King, he's like, this is the one book that lives up to that. Wow. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I'm going to disagree with that. Yeah. (laughs) I I have read books of his that I liked less. Mm -hmm. Uh, Thinner is one I mentioned earlier. Yeah. There's a lot of lower tier books of his that I think were eh, even the the shining sequel yeah dr sleep I, yeah i wasn't super into mm-hmm. and not that i was super engaged into this book but yeah. i did enjoy it and i think if you're a fan of stephen king you might be more forgiving of, yeah you know if you're not a king fan don't start with this one yeah don't start with this one but definitely watch the movie i'm 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 all in for the movie here because it's so cool. You know, the special effects are cool. The shots are amazing. Cinematography, the music. Oh, it's so, it's just the mood of it is really cool. You convinced me. I'll say the movie too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I just like between Dennis's narration and just the length of the book and everything going on with Obey, which I wasn't totally sold on. Yeah. It's just, it didn't do it for me. All right. Ready for the lightning round? Yes, let's do the lightning round. Okay. So the first thing I wanted to bring up was, and I didn't think about it till like way later after the movie, is uh-huh. there's this one girl who is always looking at Dennis. Oh, yeah. Do you remember her? Yeah. She's like, Dennis. What was the point of her? I think she was supposed to be Dennis's girlfriend in the book. I, yeah, I think she something. was supposed to be that character. But, but then like, they did nothing with there's her. There's multiple scenes where he's like gawking at Lee yeah. and she's like making eyes at him. And he's ignoring her. And that's it. That's all her purpose is. It's so weird. It, yeah. It's I think a scene was maybe cut or something. Probably. I don't know. But yeah. Now, the thing I want to mention in the movie, there's this scene on the football field where they oh. have people dressed as Native Americans and they're doing like the the powwow thing and they're dancing around. <laughs> it's so bad. It's really bad. Yeah. It's really rough. And that kind of goes along too with in the book, there are a couple weird descriptions of African-Americans and it's kind of from some of the characters and then there's a part where you're hearing about the town being like worried that the blacks are moving in, you know, and it's kind of like from the character's perspective, but it's also sort of just weird and I didn't like it. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like, why is this included? Maybe. Yeah. A little odd. Mm-hmm. Um, in the book, Stephen King is constantly, it goes back to that thing where uh, Arnie being older is described a lot. Yeah. Arnie has gray eyes and he's constantly describing Arnie's eyes in relation to what's going on. Like his steely stormy gray eyes or (laughs) his eyes as gray as the moon or every chance he gets, he talks about Arnie's eyes. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So another thing is that drive-ins were apparently where everyone had sex in the eighties and in the fifties. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) There's a couple scenes in, the movie and then there's parts in the book where they talk about it being at a drive-in and like kind of feeling feeling up each other up and like hoping that things will go farther in the car (laughs) and the scene in the movie you like look and everyone in the cars are making out (laughs) nobody's watching the movie you know what's really funny in a way is that uh that's where lee starts choking yeah and another uh, person at the theater runs in and saves her. Yeah. So clearly, you can see inside of the cars well know, enough that you like, can see if someone's not choking. An ideal place to do it. Maybe that dude was a pervert. He was just <laughs> watching them the whole time. <laughs> um, 
so Stephen King came up with the idea for the book by watching his odometer roll over to a certain like like 10,000 miles or yeah. something like that and thought about the odometer rolling backwards and like what would happen in the and car kind of good, yeah, yeah. reverse aging. Mm-hmm. And in relation to that, it's interesting. He picked uh, the car is a Plymouth Fury, a 1958 Plymouth Fury, I uh-huh. think. And uh, he picked that car because he said it was like one that was forgotten by time in yeah. a way. And it didn't have any kind of history any other context to it, like a Thunderbird might or yeah. other kind of famous cars, famous cars at the time. Mm-hmm. So that's why he chose a, uh, a Plymouth Fury. Yeah. Does that do it for the lightning round? We've already mentioned uh, the pizza slice. So. <laughs> we did. We covered the pizza slice, which was maybe the primary one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think that about wraps it up. Yeah. Thank you for listening. We promise if we do another Stephen King, we'll do one people like more. Yeah. A little more popular one. <laughs> one that maybe I'll like more. Yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> um, yeah. So if you want to get in contact with us, you can email us at cover to credits pod at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter or tweet at us at cover two credits. That's with the number two, uh, send us, you know, what your thoughts are on some of the books we've covered. Yeah. Ideas for things you want to see in the future, you know, thoughts on Christine. If you have some, you know, have you seen the movie? It's better than the book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and please leave us a review on iTunes. Yeah. If you like our stuff, leave us a review. Yeah. It helps out a lot. Mm-hmm. So, Uh, Thanks for listening. We had a good time. Yep. We'll see you next episode. All right. Bye. Bye.